because he didn't have one in his desk. And I saw the, the big, the big uh, letters in the one classroom. It said Jesus. And I started singing, J-E-S-U-S, he's my Lord and King. And uh, I was like, how did I remember? You know, something that you remember from uh, children's, uh, children's church, Sister Judy, that I grew up with. You know, so it is true that the Lord would bring back the words that these kids are learning. Uh, it, uh, it does stick with you for the rest of your life, so encourage the parents to bring their kids. I know the Micah always is telling us stories about what he's learning from Sister Carolee Kara and, and uh, all the teachers. All right. Just wanted to start off tonight. Can you guys hear me? Okay. I always feel like every Sunday I can't hear anybody, so... Um, Start off with a testimony about uh, last week. Uh, I mean, you notice I'm not wearing my wedding ring. I lost a little bit of weight and uh, my wedding ring got looser. So obviously, I need to uh, gain some weight back. Right? Gone too far. So I was telling Sharla. And um, anyways, so uh, I've been getting up every morning and going to the gym, and uh, I was at the gym and. All of a sudden, I noticed my wedding ring was gone. And uh, if there's anything that I cherish, it, it, I really love my wedding ring. It means a lot to me. So I noticed that it was missing at the gym, and I had just been doing some exercises. And so I, I work out with a couple guys there, and I said, hey, I lost my ring. And we started tearing that weight room apart. By the end of it, we, were, we probably had a better workout than we would have ever had if we worked out. So the whole day, I'm just like real nervous about it. You know, couldn't find it. Wrote a big note up on the wall. And, and uh, you know, I started thinking, oh, man, if I buy a new one, it's going to cost me a bunch of money. And immediately called Sharla and, and uh, started. It's funny how the, you start to worry, right? You start to, all these thoughts just start to come into your mind. And, uh, but more than, more than anything, I, I said, I'm never going to be able to replace that. And so that's what w was really affecting me. And so um, I just kept on, my mind is one of those minds that just keeps on worrying and worrying. <laughs> Called Charles, said, you got to look around the house, look in the bed. You know, it obviously slipped off somewhere. And I always, I notice it because I always roll it with my thumb. When I'm driving, when I'm walking, I'm always constantly turning it around. And so, finally came to the point where I was getting nothing done at work, and I was frustrated, angry at myself, you know, and I said, Lord, I just give it to you. And it's funny, when we say that to the Lord, we expect, like, it's going to show up, right? <laughs> so, you know, the whole day I'm just kind of thinking about it, but it's not really messing up my day, but, you know, I've gone back to the locker room and looked twice more, and you know, looked in all the work cars that I was in, and nothing. And I just had to remind myself again that I gave it to the Lord. I have to continuously remind myself, Lord, I gave it to you. It's in your hands. Why am I trying and all my effort to look for this thing? So, day passed and uh, came home and, and uh, you know, by then, I had really just given it to the Lord. You know, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. And so, uh, just relaxing. You know, I just came home from work, and we ate dinner, and, and uh, Micah says, hey, Papa, let's go uh, play baseball. And I said, oh, I love to play baseball with Micah. It's my favorite thing. So we go outside, and I uh, get my baseball glove out and put my baseball glove on. Micah gets his bat. We go to the front where we throw... We throw a uh, pitch. He's starting to get good at uh, coach pitch. And so I throw him a couple balls and, and uh, take off my glove, and my ring's back on my finger. <laughs> and uh, I just straight then, I just broke down. How the Lord, the worries that we have, he answers our prayers. He cares about the things that we care about. 
I mean, I ran, I, I, I was speechless. It was like, how did this even happen? So obviously, you know, I put it back on. Obviously, you know, my, my hands in the glove gets a little sweaty, and it, man, it pops off real easy. When my hands dry, it's good. It's no problem. But uh, just, it just blew my mind how the Lord, when we just leave it to the Lord, you know, he takes care of it, and, and he makes a way. Uh, so I thought that was a cool uh, testimony I wanted to share with you. That he, sees, he sees our afflictions, right? Um, let's uh, open our Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Let's just pray. Lord, just, I just ask, Father God, that you would just uh, bring your word today in clarity, Lord God. Uh, encourage your people today. Help us to, uh, to uh, have a new zeal for you, Father God, a new desire to walk closely with you. And Lord, may the words that uh, come, out, come out of my mouth be your words, Father God. Let, they, let them hear your, your message, which you want to speak today. And, and I just thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And I uh, ask that you would just encourage these, us as a church today. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I wanted to read in uh, Mark chapter 2. We've all heard this story before. And uh, I know Pastor would probably be proud today because I'm kind of, the Lord brought something out to me uh, actually during youth a couple weeks ago. And I began to study, study a little bit more. You know, it's amazing. Uh, I'll be reading a verse that I've read a thousand times, and the young people read it. I always get them to read the verses while we're in youth group. And uh, Josh read something, and it just spoke to me. One word spoke to my, to my heart, and that caused me to go back and kind of read. And so that's where I've been, and so that's what I wanted to share with you today. So I started digging into the Greek meanings of the word, and um, I thought it was just amazing what the Lord was talking here. So he says in chapter 2, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four, and when they could not come near nigh unto, unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they laid, let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoned, reasoning in their hearts. So let's go back to verse 2. Uh, we have Jesus coming into Capernaum after some days, and it says, and they were, it was noised that he was in the house. So he obviously slid through the back door, right? Came, came undercover. And then, it, and then it was, they found out that he was in this house, and they all gathered in this place, right? And they filled the house. It says that there wasn't even, even any room in the doorway. The house was filled. Lord, let that happen here, Lord God, that they would hear that you're in this house and that this place would be filled up. Not so that we have a big church, but so that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up. So in verse 2 it says, And he preached the word unto them. So that word preached is the is the Greek word keruso. Preached, there's two words for preaching in the Greek. It's laleo and keruso. Keruso means to make a public declaration, uh, an authoritative, authoritative word, a, a, a loud word in a manner that must be heeded to. But here, in verse 2, it doesn't use that Greek word. It uses laleo. Laleo means the chatter of birds. It means children talking. What's important here is 
is that we note the sound in the manner that Jesus was talking. He wasn't just preaching. He wasn't just screaming and, and coming in an authoritative way, but he was coming in a way that he was talking to these people. The sound of his voice was conversing with these people. Thank you, Lord. In the house. Laleo is, uh, was commonly used throughout the Greek when talking about um, social settings and, and your conversations in social settings. And our Lord here was speaking. He spoke to the crowd. He didn't preach at them. He spoke to them in a conversational tone. And so I can just imagine this house just filled with the hustle and bustle, filled, you know, hey, Jesus is here, the hustle and bustle, the crowd. I know you guys might not know, but now I've, I'm starting to realize being in a house with children and noise and how loud it can get. But, and so this house is just filled, and Jesus begins to speak. And the house quiet because the king is speaking. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, that your words that come out of your mouth are words of life, different than all the hustle and bustle. How many of you guys know now, more than ever, we're in an age where there's so much noise. The talking heads on the TV. Everyone's opinion on Facebook. Sometimes I can get so frustrated with all the preaching, all the yelling, all the authoritative talking, when all we really need is someone to speak life. And this is what Jesus was doing. In the midst of all this chaos, finally somebody was just speaking life. Words of life. Thank you, Lord, that he speaks to us. That when he speaks, his words bring life. I think about David in Psalms 103. He says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. David knew what it was to listen to the words of the Lord. How sweet. May we be like that. May we be like these people who quieted themselves to hear the words of the Lord. John 6, 56-68 it's after the Lord was sitting with his disciples and he was saying, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they said, how hard is this a word to hear? And it says, many of the disciples went. And he says, and Jesus says in verse 63, the words that I speak, not that I preach, the words that I laleo, hear me, they are spirit and they are life. Life. And in verse 68, he's conversing with Peter. Right? And he, Peter, he says, who do you say that I am? Or can you hear? And, and Peter answers, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Man, that, that's what we have to get to. That's the place where you and me need to get to. That's the place where this church needs to get to. A place where there is no other way. There's no other options. But Lord, all we need is your words of life. That's all we need, Lord. Let us hear you. Let us hear your words of life for every situation, every problem in our lives, Lord. I'm not going to be going to doctors. I'm not going to be going to friends. I'm not going to be going to counseling or looking for something on Facebook to fill me up or looking for what the world is saying. But Lord, just let me hear what you want me to do. That we would have ears to hear his voice. Words of life. Words of life. And so that's what the Lord Jesus was doing here in this house this world is starving. These people were starving for somebody. Why else would they gather in, in multitudes and fill the house? Why? Why? Because they were weary, they were tired, and they wanted to hear words of life. Something that was 
something that they could grasp onto, something that was reality, that was real. In the midst of all this, and we're in a world that's in the same, everybody's just searching for something that has life. And that's Jesus' words. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus delivered, delivering them with love, with compassion, with humility. And they received it. You know, we live in a time where there's so many opinions and, and so, some people can come so, so in your face angry. And I think to myself, how in the world will we ever reach the homosexual? How will in the world will we ever reach the transgender? How in the world will we ever reach the racist? If we don't speak words of life. Jesus here wasn't preaching. He was just speaking words of life. And they knew that they were words of life because of the reality that he walked in. He walked in power. And so let that be our testimony. I'm not saying don't, don't speak. But let's live the life of Christ through us. And let our words, let him speak through us and reach, the, reach these people. The Lord loves them. He gave his life for them. And I love them too. Mark, let's continue to read. So every verse I'll translate into kind of the words that if, we, if we're talking about the meaning of the Greek, and it says in Mark 2, 2, it says if we translate it into the Greek, it would say this, and there were gathered together many so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even at the door. And he was talking to them. He was laying them about the word. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, Father God. Mark 2, 3. Read that one now. It says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. So actually, I always read this wrong. I actually correct it in my own speech, but it says, And they come unto him. In the uh, King James Version, it says, and they come unto him. And I will say, no, that reads weird. And I will say, and they came unto him. But uh, the tense there, Mark uses a tense to describe, he uses a presence tense to describe a past event. And uh, uh, he's trying to graphically uh, present it in, in a way that it's reality, that it's happening right now. I thought that was kind of cool. That word, uh, bringing one sick. Bringing is the Greek word pharaoh, meaning to carry some burden. Okay? The sick of palsy. Palsy is a weakness, a loss of, of feeling. Um, uncontrolled movements at times. It also means like shaking, and, and, uh, but it also means uh, being paralyzed. Polaris, uh, I can't, par being paralyzed. And so let's move to Mark 2, 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And so I was reading a little bit about this verse and, and the houses that they uh, constructed in those, the oriental houses that they constructed in those times, and many times they would have flat roofs. They would have tiles covered with grass and tar uh, that, that would seal it. And there was often, since they were flat roofs, there was often stairwells to get to the top, and so that's why they were able to get to the top. And it says that they most likely would have had to dig a layer through the tar and the hay or whatever it was to cover it, uh, but then they would, had, they would have had to remove the tiles to get the body down. And so they uncovered the roof. And I can imagine, can you imagine uh, if Jesus was gathering in your house, right? Someone ripped off your roof and then the party was over. I would be like, who's paying the bill for this one, right? But I can just imagine, I'm sure the Lord worked it out. 
Uh, but it says that they uncovered the roof and they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. So that word lay is katakame, uh, and I'm probably katakame. Um, probably pronouncing some of these things awfully, but uh, awful or whatever. But uh, that word katakame is broken down into two words: kata, which means down, and kame, which means to lie. So the paralytic was dead weight. He was on this board, and he was laying kata down, prostate. He was facing down. And so the Lord began, began to talk to me. Prostate, the symbol of reverence, total submission unto the Lord, right? Exhaustion, distress, physical weakness. The Lord here is, you know, we often uh, focus in on the faith of these, these four men. And I truly, that's, that's an awesome word, but the Lord here is speaking, speaking to me. That's what the Lord is desiring for you and me to bring, is to bring our burdens, to bring them under, unto submission to the Lord. Face down, total submission. Our the things that are exhausting us, the things that are our weaknesses, the things that are paralyzing us, keeping us from moving forward in the Lord, the Lord is desiring that you and me come and lay them down before them. It's our own lives. Our own lives, that, the, that we would just bring them before the presence of the Lord and lay them down, prostrate before the Lord. What a beautiful message there. And sometimes we can't do it by ourselves. Amen? Sometimes we need someone to come alongside us and walk with us and show us how to do that. I know there's been moments in my life where I've needed somebody to show me how to submit, how to just let it go, lay it down before the Lord. The Lord's calling you and me that we would cast our burdens from a high place to a low place and lay them down, prostrate unto Him. Thank you, Lord. Mark 2, 5. Let's continue on. Where Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Son, Jesus refers to the man as son. Technon, meaning child. Not huos, which meaning means an adult son, but he uses the word technon. An endearing term. The Lord sees this man in compassion of his heart and, and speaks to him with love, an endearing way. The condition of this man seemed to be due because he, he was in sin. There was something in his life. And the Lord did not cast him away. But Jesus said, thy, son, thy sins be forgiven. Be forgiven. Forgiven, this word comes from the, the Greek, ephemia. Ephemi, sorry. So we often use this word forgive, right? And, uh, kind of wanted to give an example. So, Anthony, since he's sitting all by himself today, uh, Anthony offends me, right? Does something awful to me. And over time, you know, obviously I'm angry. We all, we're all angry. And uh, it's okay to get angry. It's how we deal with those, those feelings, right? And if I truly forgive Anthony, right, what happens is, my feelings of anger, my feelings of offense, my feelings of, of hurt uh, are, are changed, right? They're, they're, what happens when I forgive him is uh, it restores, that anger is changed into uh, affection again. And, and, uh, and I, I've forgiven him. I let those things go. And I no longer 
you know, hold it against them. But this, this word ephemi has something more to it, right? Because beyond that forgiveness, what, what, what has happened here is I've forgiven them, and that's one part of it. But, what, but the other part that's not covered is the, the guilt, right, that Anthony has to live with for the rest of his life, right? What's done is done. Can't be undone. And so Anthony's living with that guilt. But this word of Femi, it has two parts to it. There's two, two things that it, that it has within it. And so this is the word that, that Jesus says to him. Uh, Son, thy, thy sins are a Femi. The first thing is actually, before we go, go back to it, a Femi means the following to throw, to send away, to yield up, to discard, to allow not to hinder, to leave, or go away from. So the Lord says, Son, thy sins are ephemi. The word ephemi here includes within it two meanings in dealing with the offense and wrongdoing. First, uh, the sins are put away, right? And that's on a judicial basis, right? That the Lord poured out His blood for us. And He paid the price, the consequence of our sin, right? The consequences of sin is death. And the Lord poured out His blood, died on the cross for you and me, and paid the price for us. Purchased us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The second thing is God removes the guilt. He takes away the guilt from the person who offended. Something that wasn't included in the forgiveness that I gave to Anthony. But Jesus takes away the guilt from the believer and turns it into righteousness and puts us in a right place with our Heavenly Father. Just amazing that the the Lord here is, is, is forgiving this, this young man. But it's not just something so simple. <laughs> that the Lord is dealing with the sin, but also dealing with the offense. Powerful. Sometimes we, I know we've heard it before, but sometimes it's so, it's good to be reminded of what the Lord has done for us. And so, here we see, son, my child, your sins are a femi. Sometimes we need the Lord to allow us to have that revelation in our hearts that we, we no longer carry the heaviness and the guilt from things that we're carrying around. Sometimes it's good to be reminded of that. That we're not defined when we come to the Lord and we, we ask for forgiveness and the Lord forgives us, He ephemies us, that it's not something that we need to carry around with us anymore. The Lord has thrown those away. He's ephemia. He's caused those things to no longer hinder us. He's cast them off. We all know the verse, right? That our sins are as far away from the east to the west. Thank you, Lord. And so if we're struggling with that today, with our past or things of the past, I want to encourage you and let you know that the Lord has forgiven you. Don't let those things hold us back anymore. Don't let those ideas and thoughts, don't let the devil steal um, what he's done. Okay, so as we continue here, can see that the, the Pharisees were in the house, obviously, and they began to question him. And uh, jump down, and we know that uh, the Lord heals the young man. He takes up his mat, and he walks away. Amen. Praise the Lord. And in verse 13, it says, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Verse 13, so... I, want you, I don't want you to be mistaken. It's not like 
one thing happened after the other. There was obviously some time frame that went on between when he healed the man and as the Lord is walking along the seaside. But um, it didn't happen immediately. But I want us to, to look at that first little sentence that says, by the seaside. And that the word there is uh, para. And if you parallel lines, right? So that's where parallel it means alongside, beside. And so um, the commentary that I was reading about, about this verse, it was interesting. It says, you know, it didn't say that the Lord was at the seaside. It said the Lord was walking along the seaside. And so something to note there is this is, the Lord was doing this for a long time. This was not a just a walk up, you see the seaside, and that was it. No, the Lord had been walking along the seaside for a duration, a long period of time. And it's interesting to see the Lord Jesus also needed his quiet time without all the noise, just to hear the voice of his father. You know, I don't know how many of you guys um, wake up early and spend the time with the Lord hearing his voice, but there's nothing better than in the morning. There's nothing better than in the morning. This morning I woke up and I, I had my notes and, and my Bible in, in, in the Jeep, and I expected to wake up and kind of review them on my couch. But when I walked out the door, I looked up, and just the, the morning sunset, I, I, I sat outside on the bench, and I, just, I was just quiet. I didn't even open up my Bible. Just sat there and just took it all in and allowed the Lord just to start talking to me, to listen to listen to his words of life. And so it's important, I encourage you, to take that quiet time, to find that moment every day in our day. I know not everybody's a morning person. I live with somebody who's not a morning person. <laughs> and I can never see Charlotte getting up early in the morning and checking out the sun, sunshine. But she has her moment after she has her coffee and all that stuff. I know she does, because every time I come home, I see the notebook on the couch. I see the pen and the paper. And I'm thankful that the Lord is, is, is I have a wife, that the Lord has given me someone who's spending time in the Word. Some of, the, some of my favorite times is when I was a kid, I would wake up and I always knew where my mom was going to be. She was going to be in the corner spot in the couch with a book. I, one time we were talking in youth, and Xavier, I asked him, you know, what's your favorite thing about your mom? And he's like, I like getting up early, and I know my mom's going to be reading the Bible. I thought that was, what a great testimony for your children, that they see you having a relationship with the Lord. And so Jesus here is walking along the seaside, and just having that time where he's quiet, listening, alone with the Heavenly Father, and taking time. Verse 14, uh, let's go, and, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Aphelius, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me, and he arose and followed him sitting at the receipt. Levi was sitting at the toll booth. He was at the customs office. And so remember, we're in Capernaum, the landing place for all the ships that were traveling all around the Sea of Galilee, crossing back and forth, going from town to town. And so here we have the tax collector, Levi, who collected taxes for King Herod, right? And he was uh, employed by the Roman government to suck his people dry of all the taxes. And so uh, here we have this tax collector, and so this is why the Jews, they, they hated the tax collectors, right? Who likes paying taxes? I don't. <laughs> My worst, worst favorite thing to do, right? 
And so we have the Jews who say, see their fellow Jew working for the Roman government, taking off the top or the bottom or the middle, wherever I'm sure he could, and sucking his own people dry to give it to the Roman government. And so the tax collectors were often hated. They were despised by the Jews, and they were, were most importantly labeled as sinners. So this word, at, Levi was sitting, at, at means on, an elevated place, a platform. And so he's at his toll booth, sitting at a place of elevation, at the port of Capernaum, and everybody can see him in this high up place, taking in the money from his people, giving it to the Romans, but probably taking some for himself. And so you can see the condition of this man's soul, the condition of this man's heart, that he was greedy, selfish, a thief. Doesn't say that, but most likely. And here, most importantly, he didn't really care about what his... It was more important to him to have this monetary income than to care about what his own people thought about him. He desired the position more than being accepted by his people. And this was, uh, this was something interesting in the Jewish community. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but uh, I've noticed that the Jewish community is a very tight community, right? And we often wonder why it's been because of over the years and years, centuries of, of really nations attacking the nation of Israel. It's caused them to be very close, and they're very loyal to each other. Jews don't often marry outside of Jews, right? Jews marry Jews. They walk together. They do business with each other. And so this was very uncommon for somebody, a tax collector, to shun his people, to not stick with his people, but go with the Roman government instead. To be actually taking advantage of his people for his own personal gain. And so we see the condition of this man's heart. He loved money, more than the good regard of his people. But, it says, the Lord sees him. <laughs> he saw him. Thank you, Lord. Clark just mentioned it before we start. To thank the Lord that he sees us. The Lord saw him, and it probably wasn't the first time that he saw him, right? It's not the first time that he had walked by that seaside. The Lord knew he was there. The Lord knew what he was doing. It's not the first time that he saw him shouting in that elevated spot. And it wasn't the first time that Levi saw Jesus. It wasn't the first time that he heard about him. Remember, he, this was Jesus where he had to hide to get into Capernaum so they wouldn't just rush him. And they found out where he was and they all rushed the house where he is. The fame of of Jesus was very popular. And so Levi knew exactly who was talking to him. But Jesus sees him, and he sees the drive, and he sees the intensity of Levi, and he says, I can, this one will be useful to me. This one right here, I can change and I can transform. I can take what he, he has within him and turn him for good. Thank the Lord that he sees us. And even with our most despised, despised things, or the things that are not so great, the Lord just doesn't cast us aside. But he, he sees us and he says, this is the one that I want. This is the one that I'm going to redirect. And so he calls him. He says, follow me. Akalotheo, the Greek word, akalotheo comes from a word meaning walk the same road. It means to follow one who proceeds, to join him as his attendant, to join as his disciple, to take side with his party. This was more than an invitation. 
the word akalotheo was given in the imperative mood. And I had to look this up myself. And so, uh, this is a grammatical mood, and it, and, it, and it forms a command. So I was trying to think about this. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of men here that can relate to me. I have a lot of akalotheos that happen in my house. Usually it's around 9.30, laying in bed, and Charlotte will say, please go get me a glass of water. How many of you guys know she's not asking? She's saying, right? Or she'll say, please get me the remote. I know that, that she's not asking me, right? She's telling me, right? Please go get Micah out of the bath. A call of Theos. And so Lord, the Lord is saying, he's a kalotheon, Levi. says, follow me. He's not asking him. He's telling him. He's commanding him. And so Levi hears, hears him. And he hears the voice of a king. A sovereign king. Calling him. Inviting him to follow him. And I thought that was just an amazing. The Lord calls him. Wasn't saying, would you like to follow me? He was extending the invitation to follow him. So Levi recognizes the Lord's voice, that effectual call to salvation, and Levi was willing to respond. Thank you, Lord. The words of life. He hears the words of life. So Levi, from his elevated position, remember, he leaves the tax booth. He leaves the customs office and he begins to follow the Lord. Sometimes we, we don't think about what just happened there. But what was Levi leaving his position for? Most likely he was leaving his position of luxury and money and financial status for poverty. For a life that, that wasn't so elevated any longer. To follow Jesus meant that he wasn't going to live the way that he was accustomed to living. And sometimes the Lord is calling us out of places where, man, kind of scary. Lord, you want me to do what? Lord, you want me to give up what? But Levi's response, he heard the voice of the king. Someone who was speaking life. And his response was, Peter's response, there can't be, there's, there's no other way. What else would I do? I'll follow the king. And so, the verb follow here also is being used in the presence, present tense. Levi, follow me. But also, the meaning also of that word has a future tense meaning to it also, right? Levi, not just follow me, but habitually continue to follow me over and over for the rest of your life. Levi, I want you to follow me now, but I want you to follow me tomorrow and the next day. Habitually, every decision that you make, I want you to continue to follow me. That was the call to Levi's life. So Jesus is saying, Levi, start following me and continue as a habit of your life to follow. This meant for him that he would walk the same road that Jesus walked of self-sacrifice, of separation, of suffering, of holiness. That's what the calling was to. Also, this calling, it's amazing, a couple sentences, right? The Lord just continues to speak. Also, the command was not just to follow me, but it was to follow with me. With me. It wasn't an army-style command, walking in a, in a straight line where 
Jesus was in front and Levi was behind. But his call was for him to walk with him, side by side, down the same road. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yesterday I was walking down the street. We, we have a little fishing, fishing hole, I call it, right by my house. And it, it's about a mile, mile and a half walk. And uh, as Micah is getting older, his strength is, is getting better and better. And so we used to walk, and a couple blocks, Micah used to ask me to pick him up and put, put, me, put him on my shoulders. And it uh, gets kind of heavy after a mile and a half, right, where you're carrying fishing rods and, uh, and the uh, tackle box, and then Micah's on top looking around, kicking me. So yesterday... Uh, was the second time that he was able to walk from our house all the way to the, the, the lake. And uh, it's quite a ways. I know that it's quite a ways because usually he doesn't take naps on Saturday, and yesterday he took a nap because he was so tired. But, uh, but when I walk with Micah, we don't have a sidewalk. And so uh, there's this little, little cement area. It's got a curve. And, uh, and it's hard to walk because if you're walking side by side, one person's walking on an angle and the other person. So we, we would always walk in front of each other. And, uh, and uh, so Micah would walk in front of me. And sometimes, you know, I'm trying to teach him that the cars don't stop. <laughs> and you got to be careful. I keep on telling him, Micah, I only have one Micah. And he says, Papa, I only have one Papa. Right? And I said, I, I don't want to lose you, so you got to stay on the cement path. And he says, Papa, but I want to walk beside you. I came back to it. That that's our desire. A father-son relationship is that he desires to walk side by side to us. And so I said, well, let's walk on the grass then. And we walked side by side. And he says, see, Papa, it's even better if a car comes, you can grab me easier. <laughs> and uh, I started laughing. It just, that picture came into my mind that the Lord says to Levi, Levi, come follow me. I want to walk beside you. Come walk beside me. Let me have communion with you. Let us talk along the way. Let me talk to you about the words of life that I have for you. Let me have communion, relationship with you. I'm, I'm not going to be just a father who commands you and you don't know why you're doing the things that you're doing, but I'm going to teach you the way of why, of how. Thank the Lord that we have a father who wants to have companionship, who it's a call to participation, fellowship, and that fellowship, that call is for every believer. It's not just for pastor. It's not just for Pastor Clark. It's not just for the older people in this church. It's for the children. It's for the young people. It's for everybody who knows the Lord. The Lord's calling us into that relationship with Him. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is commanding us into a relationship of intimacy with Him. Uh, so here's the Greek translation of this verse. And he was passing by, spending time with the Lord. And he had seen, or had seen many times, Levi, the son of Ophelia, sitting high up at the tax collector's desk. And he said to him, Start following me, and continue to do so as a habit of life. And having arisen, he followed beside him. That's the real meaning of that verse. Amen. Luke 6, 27 and 28. Let's turn our Bibles here. says, uh, Luke 
eight, six, seven. Did I get the wrong one? Uh, 20, yeah. But I said unto you, here, love your enemies and do good to them. Bless them that curse you and pray for them. Despise you. Uh, that's not the one. Here, I'm sorry, it's 5, Luke 5. Luke 5, 26 and 27 and 28. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things to this day. And, and after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt office or custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. Verse 20, 28 says, And he left all. He left all, everything. It didn't say he left some things. He left all. He rose up and followed him. He left all. I couldn't, couldn't be more clear this morning in our praise and worship. Song after song saying, we lay down our lives. The Lord is looking for you and me to leave all. doesn't want us with the baggage, but we need to leave it all when we follow Christ. In our walk with him, Sister Frida spoke uh, last Sunday, and it's just awesome. I'm so blessed by whenever she speaks, and wanted us to turn to Ephesians 1. She didn't end with it, but it was part of her message. And I wanted to read it in the message. Um, I often read this version in my study. It says, Paul and under, am under God's Plan, an apostle, a special, a special agent for Christ Jesus, writing to you, faithful Christians in Ephesus, I greet you with the grace and peace poured out into our lives by God, our Father, and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He is the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid the earth's foundation. He had us in mind. It's not the first time he had seen us. Not the first time that he'd seen Levi. But the Lord, before he laid down the foundations, CJ, he had you in mind. He had settled, out, settled on us and focused his love for us to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we were free people, free of penalties and punishment, chucked up, chalked up by our misdeeds, free of guilt, not just free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on his plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for, Long before we, start, we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, his designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he was working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you once were, you heard the truth and believed the message of your salvation, found yourself free, signed, sealed, and delivered for the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, praising in a glorious life. 
That's why when I heard the solid trust you have in Master Jesus and our outpouring of love to all Christians, I couldn't stop think, thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the glory of God, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do, that you can grasp the immensity of the glorious ways of life he has for Christians. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength, all the energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word in everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not a peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills with his presence. And as Sister Frida read that last week, and she came on that last verse and she said, fills, that the Lord is desiring to fill us with his life, with his presence. I was thinking thought just came into my heart. How is the Lord going to fill us when we're so filled with, with the things of this world? Brothers and sisters, we need to empty ourselves. We need to let go all. Let going of it all. Leaving it all behind so that the Lord can fill us with his presence. That's his desire. But he's not going to force us. We need to lay those things down, empty ourselves, pour ourselves out, just like Jesus did for us. He poured himself out. He left nothing left. Everything. Levi gave it all. He left it all so that he would be filled. So, as we conclude here, what are the burdens that need to be left aside throughout Mark? We have the story of how they brought the man, the paralytic. What are those burdens that are paralyzing us? What are the ideas of who we are that we need to let go? The Lord has been dealing with this in my own life. You know, thankful that I'm so thankful that the Lord just doesn't leave us where we are, right? It's, it's a progression. He's faithful. He's patient. He doesn't preach at me. He speaks to me. He says, Josh, this is who you are. Josh, you're not who you are by what Charlotte thinks about you but you are who you are because of what I think you are. Believe it or not, that's something that I struggle with. That I continuously find myself living in the shame or, or man, I, I'm not who I'm supposed to be because I've let my wife down. And it's a frustrating life to try to live up to somebody else's expectations constantly can be frustrating for young people to live up to somebody else's frustrations of your friends, of who they think you are, when if we just listen to the words of life, if we just hear his voice, say, you are my beloved. I love you. You're accepted. You're not rejected. You're whole. Some of us need to release or let go of that burden 
of trusting in our own strength. Just the constant effort of trying to get through this life in our own strength. The, kind, the, the effort it takes to worry is just so overwhelming over and over and over. The Lord's speaking to me in that also. That I can't continue to worry about things that really I should not be worrying about. Lord, am I going to have enough money when I retire? Is my 401k going to be full enough? Am I going to be able to send Micah to the private Christian school? Am I going to be able to provide for my wife? Lord, I just, I give up. I leave it all. It's in your hands. I give it to you. I'm not going to try to do this life thing, this parenting thing, in my own strength anymore. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to put you first. I'm just going to walk alongside you. And as you direct me, I'm going to listen to your voice. And I'm going to obey. And I'm going to live for you. Maybe it's the sin that's holding us back that's just paralyzing us. That we need to let go. That we need to lay down, prostrate before the Lord and say, heal me. Maybe it's the guilt that we need to come to the revelation of this ophelia, this forgiveness that the Lord has for us. Or it's the strongholds of inadequacy, leaving all and following Him, walking beside Him, and taking participation in His kingdom letting his life fill us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word today. Oh, Lord, may we hear your words of life, Father God. May our hearts burn, Father God, when we hear your words. Father, that we would be, have that reaction that Levi had, Father God, and whatever the cost, that we would be willing to leave all and walk beside you. Lord, help us, Father God, to come to a place where we, our mindset, our heart set is like Peter's. That, Lord, where else would we go? Doesn't seem like it would be even an option, Father God, to, to listen to anybody else or to follow anybody else or do my own thing, Lord God, but there's no other way but your way. Help us to be that people, Father God. Help us to be that church. Sold out for you, Father God. Following you. We thank you for your word today. And Lord God, let it be a reality in our lives, Father God. Let it not just be another Sunday service where we come and we hear your words and then we leave this place and we just continue on in the same way that we walk. Lord God, the description of insanity, Father God, is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different result. Lord God, help us, Father God, to take this word and put it into practice. Lord Jesus, help us to have a relationship with you and know who you are. Come to a place where we just hear your words, your words of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Just a reminder. Real quick. No. One thing I do, I forgot to mention earlier, is our fridge in here in the kitchen is seeing its last day, I believe. Uh, the freezer has been looking like a frozen tundra for a while in the fridge this week. When uh, someone was here cleaning, they called me, let me know it's leaking all over and everything inside there is not even remotely cold. So we're going to have to uh, get rid of that one. So first thing is if you know someone or if you have an extra one that you're not using or whatever, uh, we would love to be blessed by that. Uh, secondly, if you know someone or whatever that has an extra one, I know there have been times when I've moved or whatever, we had an extra fridge and we were able to give it to someone. So if there's a situation that you hear of like that, uh, that would be awesome. If not, we're just going to have to um, get one. 
And with that in mind, if I can get a couple people to volunteer, the stuff that is like da has dairy in it, we're just going to throw it out and put it in a trash bag, and I'll take it with me. And the stuff that is not, that it will still keep, like there's water bottles in there that we can re-refrigerate. Uh, we'll put it in the fridge over in the house. If I could have a couple people be willing to do that this morning, that'd be great. All right. Be blessed. Have a great week. Oh, and don't forget the car wash is, Jake, what day again? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. So bring your dirty cars. Drive through the mud this week or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> that guy.